Welcome to Unity of Tucson. Today's message. Hmm. Something's happening. And it is this thing that happens sometimes where I've written about 11 pages of notes, and I'm not sure that that's what wants to be said today. We'll see. We'll see. Here's where I, this is in my notes. Here's where I'm going to start, pushing up the sleeves so you know it's, you know it's serious. Yesterday, um, we had our quarterly membership orientation. It's a thing that we do here. It's part of our bylaws. We have a membership orientation uh, where people who are interested in becoming members of our community join together, and I talk to them about what this community is, what the New Thought philosophy is all about, the history of unity, um, how we got to be where we are, and we talk about the opportunities that are here to be of service in this community as well in various ways. One of the things that comes out in the expression of that is that we are part of a philosophy an umbrella philosophy called New Thought. And the joke is, there is nothing new about New Thought. There's nothing new about New Thought. New Thought is ancient wisdom. What makes it new for us is that we, we, con we continue to allow it to evolve in our manner of speaking, in our manner of thinking, and it is essentially ancient wisdom that is wrapped in modern language. And that we are always on a journey of the new. That's what makes new thought new. We're always on a journey of the new. And so I was really sort of stepping back to, the glasses are off today. I was, I was really stepping back to think, well, what does new thought mean to me? Like, what is new thought? What does new thought teach me? And there, we have principles and we have teachings. And, you know, we talk about the principles. God is all there is. That's who and what we are. Thoughts and beliefs are creative. We use prayer and meditation to direct those thoughts and beliefs. And it is a choice to live from that point of view. Those are the five principles of unity that are rooted, that they're, they're pure new thought in my, in my mind. But you know what really excites me about new thought? Nothing is static. Nothing is static. We claim here that we do not teach dogma. And I hold firm in that because the way that I say, well, we have, a, we, have a, we have doctrine, we have a teaching, but dogma does not allow you to question the teaching. Doctrine, I welcome the questions because nothing is static. And I welcome the opportunity to learn more, to know more, to be in the new all the time. The other thing that New Thought teaches me is that life wants to thrive. Life wants to thrive. I see this everywhere I go in so many different ways. Um, a few years ago, I was in Hawaii, and I came back and I told the story about going to, the, uh, to uh, this garden area, that, and there was this tree that was literally growing out of a rock. I don't know if you remember that talk that I gave several years ago. And there, was this, there was this large boulder. I mean, the boulder had to be about that high. And it was just this large boulder. And there was a tree growing out of that rock. And I thought, what a demonstration that life wants to thrive. Because it doesn't matter what the rock, what the rock might represent. The tree says, I will thrive. 
not just survive, I will thrive. And here's the thing, we are that life. We are the fullness of that life. We are the expression of that life. And so it is ours to thrive. It is ours to thrive even when we perceive, even in what we perceive as darkness. Anyone ever perceive any darkness in their life? If you ever perceive darkness in your life, remember that if there is darkness in your life, you are the thing that is there to shine the light. And I believe, and I want to be very clear here, I believe you get to decide what you believe. I believe that we are here. That if we are here, there is an inner calling to live in with and as faith. I believe that if we are here, that there is an inner calling for each and every one of us to live in, with, and as faith. And because this is my belief, this is how I choose to be in the world. This is how I choose to be in the world. In Scripture, this is offered. Now, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's Hebrews 11.1. 1. Many of us, I'm sure, have heard that before, yes? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We spend much of our life in the unknown. Do you know what's going to happen five minutes from now? You have an idea of what you think might happen five minutes from now. I'll probably still be in the middle of a long-winded talk. <laughs> but we don't really know. We don't really know. We spend much of our lives in the unknown. And I hold that this idea from Hebrews, I hold that this idea is accurate. Our entire life is lived in faith. Every moment of our life is a moment of faith because we perhaps hope for things, but we have a conviction of things not seen that we are consistently moving forward with. At least I assume that's true. That's how I live my life. It's how I seem to understand people when they come and speak to me that they're living their lives. The question for me then is, in what am I placing my faith? In what am I placing my faith? Now, I don't believe in tests. I don't believe in destiny. I don't believe in kismet. I don't believe that there is some idealized thing that I am moving into. I don't believe that. I believe that I am the creator of that which will be. In every moment, I am creating that which will be. I do believe that that I do believe that I receive that which I am equal to in consciousness. I do believe that I receive that I am equal to that which is in my mind. And so my life is showing up ex in exact accordance with what is in my mind. That is a fundamental premise of new thought. And I remind myself, mind is God. And so I am living in exact accordance with what is God, in every single moment, that's faith. Mind is creative, and so I do believe that I receive that which I am equal to creatively. That was a weird syllable. 
sometimes it just comes out in a weird way. Our beliefs are creating our experience. And so, how do we make new thought new? My question to you is this, what will you choose to create today? That's a rhetorical question. I'm not really expecting everybody, I want to create this. What will you choose to create today? And are we where we want to be in the creation and construct of our lives? That's a big one for me. Because if we're not, if I'm not, what do I need to shift in order to be on the path that I have chosen? Not the path that is destined for me, the path that I have chosen. Many times I have had experiences, many experiences couched in the language of destiny. And I'm going to tell you about one of those. Those, those experiences, though, what was really happening were, was the expression of latent ideas, those ideas that are below the level of my awareness but are still active in my consciousness. So I was uh, invited to go to a New Thought community in 2005, and there's a whole story. Many of you have heard the story. I'm not going to recount this whole story to you, but I remember I went to this community, and I was like, oh, this makes sense to me. And I'm, many people say, oh, that's the experience that I had. I came to a community. and was like, this makes sense to me. So I sat down. I experienced the service, and I said, this makes sense to me, and I started going every week. And about six months later, destiny, <laughs> but not really because this was an expression of a latent idea that was within, was within me. About six months later, I was sitting in a service, and I thought, oh, I'm supposed to be a minister. What? Like, what? Okay, so I went with that. There was something within me that knew that that's what I wanted to be my calling. I went through the I went, to the pra I went through the practice. I went through the, I went through the training to become a minister. And in uh, 2011, July 31st, 2011, I completed everything that was necessary to be completed. And back in those days, you would do your oral panel. And they wouldn't tell you right then and there if, whether or not you had passed. You would receive a letter the next day. They would hand you a letter. And I remember my cohorts in my ministerial class, we all got together and we went to... Uh, we were at a hotel in... in uh, uh, not, yeah, Monterey. We were at a hotel in Monterey. And we decided that all of us were going to open our letters at the same time. And I am so grateful that we all passed. <laughs> because it would have been devastating if we hadn't all passed. We all passed. There were nine of us in the room who were cohorts through that experience of ministerial studies. I opened it up, and I looked at that letter, and it said, hey, you've passed. And so I wrote on Facebook, I passed. Woohoo! And within the hour a response came through Facebook that said, congratulations on your ministerial credential. Our minister retired or stepped down two weeks ago, and we're looking for a new minister. This was a friend of mine who was in Toronto, Ontario. The moment I received that letter, people would call that kismet or destiny, the opportunity for Toronto presented itself, and I said, okay, consider me a candidate. January of 2012, I moved to Toronto, Ontario to take over that community. A lot of people, wow, just like everything lined up. April 16th, 2017, Easter Sunday. I finished the service in Toronto. It was a great, glorious day, and I'm sitting in the lobby. Everyone has left the building, and I'm sitting in the lobby speaking to a couple of my board members at the Center for Spiritual Living in Toronto, and uh, these words come out of my mouth. Again, a latent idea. 
that was ready to be expressed, these words came out of my mouth. I think what was mine to do here is complete. And it shocked me. But it was true. And so I took 24 hours to consider that idea, and then I sent a letter to the entire community saying, it's time for me to go. And what I want to do is move to Tucson. Now, this is an important part of the story. <laughs> I want to move to Tucson. Really hear that. That was what I was leaving Toronto with. So I went home. I talked to my husband. I said, hey, let's make a plan. He was Canadian. He's a Canadian citizen. So I said, we're going to have to get you a green card. Um, went through that process. But I said, I think Tucson is our destination. He had never been here before. And he said, OK, we'll go to Tucson. He said, just know you're giving up Canadian winter for Arizona summer. And do you know what that really is? He says, yes. He says, in Arizona summer, I can still be at the pool. <laughs> I was choosing to live in faith, to say, that's the destination. That's the next. That's the new. That's where I'm going. And my decision was rooted in the idea that I was going to begin a new work, which is what I ultimately did. Now, there was a little detour on the way. You know, was I truly in faith, allowing that inner good, that inner light that I had decided upon to demonstrate the good in my life, in experience? In that moment, I took a little detour. Not so much. I had a sidetrack to Los Angeles. Because in my, in my mind, I thought, you know what? I'm going to go to Tucson, but Los Angeles is going to be easier. Only because I had lived for 12 years in Los Angeles prior to going to Toronto. And I hadn't lived in Tucson since 1997. I thought, you know what? I can go back to Los Angeles. I can get a job really quickly. I can get, I can get myself reestablished back in the United States. And then at some point in the future, yeah, maybe I'll get to Tucson. Because that's what started happening for me. So it was a sidestep in my faith journey. Many of us have sidesteps in our faith journey. And then you know what happens? We start to look for the proof of faith. We start to look for the proof of faith. If you have the proof, it's no longer faith. The proof is this. We see what we look for. And the work is to become the proof, not seek out the proof, proof of our faith. If we look for evidence in form, we will never see it if we think that evidence precedes faith. If we think that the evidence comes before the faith, then we will never see the evidence in form of the life we would like to live. And that's what I started to experience during my time in Los Angeles. Our work is to take the leap. That's faith. If we don't, ooh, here's what happens. Our latent consciousness is likely to invite us into it. And it's often looked at and felt like a cosmic two-by-four over the head. <laughs> and that's perhaps what happened to me. Because the entire time while I was in Los Angeles, there was the question in me, should I stay or should I go? I don't really know that this was the right choice for me. And yet, I'm going to stick to it because this is the decision I've made. I'm going to dig my heels in and say, this is what I've done. Should I stay or should I go? That all changed. Six years ago yesterday, January 13th, 2018, I was on my annual retreat in Hawaii. And during that annual retreat, I received this lovely message. This is a screenshot from my cell phone. 
If you can't read it, it says, 8.07, Saturday, January 13th, emergency alert, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. I kind of futzed with that with the little Photoshop because that says 39 minutes ago. 39 minutes later. <laughs> and it was the longest 39 minutes of my entire life. We got a retraction to that that said that was a mistake. It was not supposed to go out. But I'll tell you what, there was a lot of fear that was created on that island that day. Now, there's a joke because I was there with my sister and we were staying in the same home uh, and she was in brushing her teeth and she hadn't seen her phone. <laughs> and this is how I respond to trauma situations. I looked at my phone, I get this message, I go to her, she's brushing her teeth and I say, Carrie Mon, I don't mean to alarm you but this just came through on the phone. <laughs> And just a few moments later, we're both looking at the phone, and we're kind of in disbelief. We're looking at the phone, we're like, oh. And then where we were staying, there was an apartment above the garage, and there was a young lady who lived in that apartment, and we start hearing her wailing, screaming, I don't want to die. <laughs> she came down. We, we were able to you know, find some ease and said, you know what, we're, we're in the safest place we can be. We're indoors. We're down here. If this is actually happening, here we are. But the result, the true result of that experience was this. Six years ago, it just blows my mind. This was six years ago. The true result was this. I started to question my life. I had to ask this question, what am I doing? Is this what I want? And if this is the it, have I done what was mine to do that I set out to do in my life? And the answer I got back was, no. What the heck are you doing in L.A.? You had a dream. You had an idea to go to Tucson, to start a new work, to do this work in a different way. What are you doing in L.A.? Should I stay or should I go? Well, the answer was made very clear in that moment. Time to pack up, break my lease in my apartment, which is not an inexpensive proposition in Los Angeles, to break a lease. I have a dream. What was the delay? Fear. That was it. Fear. And when I decided to get back on the path of faith, everything aligned in perfection because that was my decision. There's a lyric in that song, I have a dream, something good in everything I see. I could have had the experience of a ballistic missile threat in a very different manner but I chose to see something good in it. Because ultimately, yes, I came back to Tucson. I did start a new work, and it was because I was present here in Tucson that I was able to be present to and available to this experience. And I am so grateful for that. And new thought, the new thought philosophy encourages us to live not with faith in God, 
there's an important distinction. We are, we, are, we are encouraged to live not with faith in God, but with the faith of God, because that's who we are. That is who we are. Every fiber of our being is God in form. Every aspect of our beingness is the divine. And so let go of any notion that there is anything out there in which I place my faith. My faith is firmly rooted here in my own heart and in my own decision and in my own choices to live a magnificent life. We are here for the experience of life, to know and experience more and more and more, to know that we are not one with God, we are not one in God, we are one of God. So where do we choose to live? Where do we choose to live? Do we choose to live in misery or happiness? The choice is yours. Do we choose to live in the past or in the moment? The choice is yours. Do we choose to live by by believing we're being burned, or do we rise like a phoenix from the ashes? The choice is yours. Do we choose to live in joy or not? That's the theme of this month. Joy is the theme of this month. And, I, and, and, I, and you know who you are. Somebody came to me this morning and said, I'm not sure that I wanted to come today because I know the theme of the month is joy, and I'm not feeling so joyful today. And I said, you know what? Make a decision. Essentially what I said is make a decision that this will be a joyful experience. And as you experience this, your choice is to proceed then with joy. Do we live in joy or do we live believing that we are subject to outside circumstances? It is time to awaken. I am tired of being asleep. It is time to awaken. Someone asked the Buddha, are you a god? The Buddha's reply was no. Are you an angel? No. Then what are you? I am awake. Let us choose to awaken. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. The homework this week, and if you are new to our community, I give homework every week. The reason that I give homework is because it is an invitation to activate practically the lesson that has been offered this Sunday. So here's the homework. Resolve everything in the moment. Oh oh my. (laughs) Here's what that means. Make immediate decisions. A lot of us get stuck in fear and we don't decide. So my request to you is do not allow any decision to go unmade in the moment that the decision is presented to you. Make immediate decisions. Here's the thing about that. If it's the wrong decision according to what is within you that wants to be expressed, you're going to know real fast if you tune in to what you feel. If you're not sure how to make the decision, if it's a two-sided decision, flip a coin. Say, heads, it's this, tails, it's this. You flip the coin, and if it was supposed to be heads, but tails shows up, and you go, tails, ugh, you know the decision. So that's the homework this week. Do not let anything go unresolved. Make every decision in the moment. Do not let it linger. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. 
Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.